0: Hello and welcome to episode five of the Wrexham Legends Lounge podcast. I'm Andrew Pollard and joining me in a second is Gareth Owen. This is just me recording a little message uh, as a heads up to say this is the first of two parts of this interview. The next part will be following next weekend. Uh, next Sunday it'll be out. Uh, but this is the first part because uh, we recorded this as one big chunk of an episode. And it's brilliant. It's such a great chat that we have about Gaz's career and beyond. But it's uh, it ended up running for like nearly three hours. It was two and a half when, we, when I cut it down. So I thought... Rather than put it out as one big chunk, because some people don't like that, I'll split up into two, uh, maybe more manageable parts. So this is part one. Next week is part two, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's really good. It's really fun. It's really entertaining. It's a little snippet though as well of a song that Gaz is called "Roll Back the Years," which is I guess is written on the back of the obviously the news of the takeover that we're in the well we that we've gone through now, um, and it's just a, a not, just a song that stirs the emotions that looks at some of the highs and the lows of uh, of I've been the Wrexham fan, I guess, It's split bluntly. But yeah, the full song will be played at the end of this podcast. But for now, here's a little snippet of that. And then we'll get into the part one of this chat. Thanks for listening. Hold on to
1: it, it belongs above. So and bleeding, cause it's a club we love.
0: Welcome to episode five of the Wrexham Legends Lounge podcast with myself, Andrew Pavlov, And joining me today is Gareth Owen. A Gareth Owen with nearly there, thereabouts 300 games under his belt for Wrexham. Uh, 12 years in the first team squad, involved in the Cup Winners Cup games against Lingby, Man United in 1990. The Arsenal and West Ham FA Cup games, in 92. The promotion, 92, 93. The FA Cup games against Ipswich, in Man United, 94, 95, 95. The FA Cup run in 96, 97. The so nearly in the playoffs teams in 96, 97 and 97, 98. And so much more. Um, I, I told you it was going to be a long intro there, I guess. Uh, so uh, how are you doing, first of all, I'm okay, on?
2: thanks, Andy. Yeah, thanks for having us. Obviously, it's a you know, pleasure to be talking to you. And that went much better than you did in your rehearsal. You took about 10 seconds there. It took you 35 seconds in your rehearsal. <laughs> but yeah, brilliant. Thanks for
0: having us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no. It's uh, cheers for joining us. It's uh, it, yeah, it's it's a huge honor to get to sit down and, and talk about the good stuff with yourself. Um, before we get going, I should probably say that the four previous episodes are all now available on YouTube at Rex and Legends, uh, or on Spotify, iTunes, Tuner, uh, Tuna, Stitching, whatever uh, Google Podcasts, all of those things. Uh, just by searching the Rex and Legends podcast. So uh, give us a like, give us a subscribe, a comment, a follow, a review, anything. Um, just to raise the profile. Of this uh, Neil Wainwright was on in episode three mark cartwright episode four mark mcgregor episode one and john pd morris the man behind the wrexham legends episode two Uh, this is the wrexham legends a group of of former players who get together to raise money for, for local teams local charities raise awareness of stuff do some really great work and will hopefully get back to playing before the year's out um but no in association with hill street social episode five gareth owen so you were from what i'm aware you were 18 when you get into the first team or there thereabouts um how how was that to, to get in there so young? Because now at our level, well, with Wrexham, it's rare that we see, uh, I guess, a kid um, getting into the, the team now. But yeah, 18, get first team football.
2: Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Dixie obviously gave me my first taste, I suppose. Um, put my dick away in the Welsh Cup. So the, the first time I stepped out for the first team was was there. with 4-1 up, I think. I went on for the last 10 minutes. So, um, But an invaluable experience, you know, even there. And then, I mean, around that time, we saw Dixie sort of leave the club um, Brian Flynn step up from player to player manager or play coach at the time I think before taking the um, the actual manager's role uh, and stepping back from things then. But as an 18 year old, very very lucky, very humbled. Um, can't tell you how how sort of excited I was as well to play for what what I regarded as my hometown club. Then obviously Wrexham being closest to to Connor's key. Really lucky, as I say, to have the players around us that I, that I had at the time. And you think back then it was, um, you know, the Jeff Hunter, um, Sean Reck, Neil Salathi, all those always remember, Joey, obviously, um, John Bowden, Mike Salmon, uh, amongst others, you know, fantastic people as well as players. So, so fortunate to have been brought up and, and nurtured by, you know, people like that. Um, the values they had at the time, obviously, Joey's massive influence on, on many of the um the, the 90s players careers but um, I, you know I'd have to say that a lot of the pros at the time were were fantastic people Nigel Beaumont as well Andy Thack you know later on Graham Cooper and um, th- them types of players were sort of um, I can't stress how important it is as a young player to have those type of people around you and when you're coming through breaking into the um, into the first team I was also very lucky to have a good circle of not just teammates but friends in the YTS is then the I mean, you've got to go back from the first team into that group at some point. And yeah. um, oh, they ripped me to bits, mate. You know, it was oh big time this, big time that now. And you can't go from the first team and come back, sort of thing. You know, you've got to stay there. But yeah, they ripped into me as as you can imagine. And I got treated exactly the same, which was brilliant. You know, there's still boot polish everywhere. And you know, I won't go into some of the things that went on um back in the day. But um, yeah, brilliant set of lads as well that, that I came through with
0: at 18. So yeah, very, very lucky. Yeah, well, when because like you said, you're a local lad uh, from Connors Key. When did you end up in the Wrexham system? Because it was it was 18, you you got into the first team squad, and like you said, dropped back down to, to the, the the YTS lads as well again. But when when did you first get into the system? Um, so yeah, first I think schoolboy forms. I, I suppose
2: at 14, 15 years of age, um, I was at church. I can't say it. Ch- what's it called? The, the team club up the road. I was there anyway with Cliff. um and Cliff got moved over to, to Wrexham. We'll go into depth about it, but he came over to Wrexham. Um, Cliff Sear got, rest his soul, brought Mike Buxton with him. I signed for schoolboy forms then. Um, with, with others as well, Paul Barker came over, David Gorman, I believe. Um, both came over from the sort of Chester area. So, yeah, I signed, signed as a schoolboy. At, I can't remember if it was 14 or 15, but I had a good couple of years. Then we used to train on the car park at the time. Mm. Um, or um, there was just over the fence where the car park is now at the club there, there used to be like two mobiles and it was just fields there where the Astro is now or the, yep. uh, and, and Glen is obviously, it was just fields there. So yeah, we train on there as school boys. Um, and then fortunate enough to be offered YTS forms at, at 17, spent two years as a, as a YT then. So I'd already been at the club sort of four or five years by the time I broke into the first team. Um And, and then yeah, at, at 18 got into the first team and I, I, you know the best what I regards the best f- footballing years of my life obviously I, I don't if you speak to Gemma I, I didn't play for any other club but Wrexham I know I went to Doncaster <laughs> but Airbus and, and what have you <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't sort of acknowledge them but um 12 years as, as a pro there was
0: um yeah it was fantastic times and loved every second of it so basically to your wife you retired in like 2001 that was it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, what was it because it was as a fan, looking back at it now, it's it's uh, it's nuts to think of the, I guess, the homegrown talent that would come through on a regular basis. There was yourself, there was, uh, say, Wayne Phillips, Steve Watkins, uh, Chris Armstrong, yeah. w- when he was a uh, fly coming through, um, Lee Jones, uh, Phil Hardy, who came through in the system, obviously was from Liverpool, but came through early on, uh, Mark McGregor. There was just this, again, like a conveyor belt of, of young talent. Why do you think that was? It's just it's, it's crazy now to think of a Wrexham side or any side that we yeah. made up of say five, six, seven of the starters would be all local to the area or all within say 10 miles. Yeah, um, I think obviously a strong scouting system
2: at the, at the time was was um, prevalent in, in at the forefront of that, you know, a great network of people that were out watching games regularly, um, you know, good talent ID group that, that brought all these players to the club, but again, they were. F- they were brilliant people, and um, once I played for Cliff at fourteen, I, you know, I'd, I'd gone wherever he wanted to go. Whenever Cliff yeah, went, yeah. I wanted to play for Cliff. Um, so yeah, I think that coupled with them, with um, Dixie first of all, giving people their opportunity, you know, uh, um, at such a young age and putting trust in, in you as a as a young person to go out and do a job for him. Um, same then with Brian. Again, the trust they had in youth was was second to none, and. I'm not saying that's not there. Now we've got some brilliant players within within the centre of excellence. It's been proven, you know, over the last five to ten years. Play, but, but the game's changed now, and the rules are different, and things yeah. are things are different. Full stop. So we're losing players. Our status has dropped, if you like, from being obviously a established league club into the national league, and um, you're naturally then going to lose players, and it's going to be tougher to, to attract players to, to the club. So. Um, Dan's doing a, a brilliant job there I know he is Dan Nolan at the club um, you know trying to re-establish start trying to um, establish or trying to uh, make sure those young players stay within the club but I know how difficult it is, it's, it's really tough but yeah it was a, as you say conveyor belt at the time wasn't it and yeah. you've, you've named a lot there that, that came through and um, I was just I was just one of them you know I look back at that as, as, um, as, as that I was just one of, of many many players that come through at the time and um,
0: yeah, hats off to, to the people that were doing the work at the time. They did a really good job. Yeah, I mean we had like the centre of excellence. There was the the reserve team, which I think not having a reserve team is a massive, massive blow on that. Just the because yeah, the, th- there isn't that link. So if unless you're really, really good at seventeen, eighteen. You're not going to re- you're not going to get that chance of first team football or to learn to to get ready for first team football because so you're just going to be playing no. youth football and I mean obviously you can send players out on loan to maybe the the, the Welsh Premier League or the, the the Welsh football pyramid as we've we've done in, in years but it just feels like that's that's something that's really missing and and also for, like as fans um, I talked about this to Mark Carey about how it was really good to when you go to games back then and you get a program and you'd look for the reserve games and you look for you you'd see these names and you'd see you'd be scoring I, I, one I'd mentioned to Mark was um was Paul Roberts who was getting kind of five a game in the reserves Obviously, when he came from Port Maddox and never yeah, quite yeah. got his chance in the first team. But you'd see like Andy Morell, would be bagging a hat trick a game or you see like a young Neil Roberts coming through or maybe players that didn't quite make it like a, a Paul Mazzarella or Lewis Cody. Uh, but you were you were aware of who was in the system, who was in the club and who could be getting a first team football um at some point. Yeah. But there isn't any of that now. So, I don't know, um, hopefully we get that back. But what, 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 you, what would you make of it as a young player then if there was, there isn't that gateway to the first team? There's just, right, you play youth football and then you, you if you're good enough for the first team, you are. If you're not, there's no, it seems like there's a, a stage of development missing almost. Yeah, the, the gap's so much bigger then and, and that, that could have well happened to, to many
2: of the players you mentioned already that they go into the first team. And the manager at the time feels, you know, you're not ready and you drop back down again. You never get a chance to go up again. But you, you're absolutely spot on, Andy, that that, that, that gap was always filled there. Um, I'd say the biggest thing for, for us at the club at the time, and I'm talking now as a, as a 17, 18-year-old boy in the YTS scheme, um, and, and I speak to many of the lads that were involved at this, uh, they say the same thing. So playing in the, in the Welsh National League against hardened men, I'm not joking now, there were some tough teams, you, you know, as a young boy, a Wrexham, you know, up-and-coming player or whatever, coming out into where I live now in Ponky Banks, or, or I'm, I'm actually in Roast, but, you know, Roast D is just, um, sorry, Roast Elwood is just around the corner. <coughs> uh, Kevin Kevin, at the time going and playing uh, Druids wasn't the same as it is now. It was, you know, the pitch wasn't great. And I'll never forget going to the likes of the, 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 the Welfare and playing against Chris and, um, getting smashed by the the lad that played in midfield was even smaller than me, but he two footed me. And, I, and if you if you get up and, and and let them know you're hurt, then you won't survive in that. So it really was sort of sink or swim. But playing in that local league was was uh, invaluable to, to my experience because if you're receiving the ball from a centre back, if you don't glance over your shoulder, you're going to get smashed from behind. So you've got to glance. You've got to make sure you're turning right. You have to make double sure of everything and look after yourself and. Um, i I probably say that, you know, you talk to Neil, you talk to Phil, Stevie Watkins, Wayne, um, any of that group, they will all say they become men overnight, you know, playing in that league. Coupled to your first-team experience of playing, you know, maybe a five-game burst or a ten-game burst and then coming back and playing in the reserves, you know, however that worked, it worked so well at the time. It was managed really well at the time by the people as well. you've got to manage, you know, um, Neil coming into the first team, you've got to manage him going back because yep. it, you know, and, and making sure that they don't treat him any different. Um, He's treated exactly the same as he was before he played up or doesn't get treated different in the first team. It's always, look, this is how it is here. And you have to adapt then as, as a young player into those two different environments as well, which I think is important. So, yeah, that that Welsh National League and the last, the other thing was the Midland Senior League was, was brilliant at the time as well. We played in... In that league, which was um, in Warsaw, Birmingham, um, Port Vale, you know, Stoke, all these teams had reserve teams at the time. Yeah. So you could be 16, 17 year old, maybe, maybe even a schoolboy, getting into that team that goes away in midweek on a Wednesday, plays a game. Flinney's there, Kev's there, Joey You'll watch them game. Joe used to take take a lot of the games, but then the manager could see you whether you're impressing in those games. What's his attitude like on a Saturday playing against? fly welfare away. Yeah. Right, let's see, let's see how he does Tuesday night in the Leyland Daft Cup against Blackpool at home, which is, you know, how it worked out, I suppose. But though, yeah, as you said earlier on, that, that, that mechanism between YTS and first team had huge support around it at the time. And, you know, the sooner we can get back to that, the better.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the, I mean, obviously there's a lot of elements on the table with, with the takeover of Wrexham now where there's so many things that fans are hoping for. Me, first and foremost, I just want to get out the National League. I'm not getting ahead of that. But one of the big ones is that people want to see the reserve team come back and hopefully that happens. Because, I mean, you, not, I don't know if lucky is the right word, but you were, you were around at the time when you, you could get that chance, you had that kind of that foot yeah. to the first team where they've seen you play men's football um, yeah. and you, that means you get your chance against teams like Lingby and, and Man United in the the, well, the cup Winners' this cup as it would be back then um, which still it, it kind of pains me that that's not around today like not in this Europa League I won a UEFA cup I won a cup Winners' this cup um, mm-hmm. but that, that's another rank for another day but how was it because if I'm right you're a Man United fan as well as obviously a Wrexham yeah. fan yeah. Uh, Liverpool, believe it or not, from
2: from when I can remember first supporting the team. In fact, I'll tell a lie, I was probably my, my brother took me to Everton, my yeah. eldest brother took me to Ever- Everton Forest. It was you're probably talking 1980, 81. Prior to that, I was probably Liverpool. Um, but yeah, Liverpool beat United, I think, in the, the um, 77 cup, well, uh, FA Cup final. I think if I'm right, if I remember rightly, Liverpool win everything at the time, in the yeah. late 70s. I thought, you know what, I don't want to be a You know, someone that's just jumping on a bandwagon, right? What's around? Looked at, and then Brian Robson took over my life. Frank Stapleton took over my life, Um, and I became a United fan from probably 1980
0: onwards. Yeah, yeah. See, that's I mean, obviously today, my United aren't. They they won the title for I think it's eight eight seasons, whatever. Even if they look like they're going to be second this year, but it's crazy for people who weren't around who maybe are as old as myself or yourself to say that, that there there was a time when Man United was struggling and that was that time because people just think of Man United as this powerhouse under Alex Ferguson where they were winning leagues and European Cups and Leagues and European Cups. Um and even Fergie had his rough few years uh, originally, but yeah, there was a time when Man United it would be if you were looking for a team that weren't if you if you look for an alternative to Liverpool who were winning everything and you're looking for somebody that kind of like almost like a plucky underdog who you wanted to see returns of greatness that Mm -hmm. would be them at that point in time um i guess brian robson was a a huge part of that round yeah Yeah. Uh, well with yourself then. now you mentioned brian robson how did uh, is that someone you maybe molded yourself on a little bit captain marvel as it were Mm -hmm. I Probably subconsciously,
2: yes, maybe, just the way I think he was combative. I think he liked, you know, he was competitive. Um, uh, you know, he got about the pitch really well, used the ball really well, I think, you know, as a player and um, he liked the tackle. He set a tone, I think, for United, which was um, which was important. And they, they always seem to have that type of player, you know, over the years that, you um, you know, the great United sides, you look at Keane, obviously, and then the balance of that, maybe, you know, a skulls in there playing as a 10 or in two different wingers either side, a Giggs on one side who would get to a byline with his pace uh, and cross the ball from the byline where Beckham was a little bit more, um, I'd
0: receive it deep
2: and cross yeah, from deep. Yeah. You know, it was such a good balance to those United sides. But going back to that Robson area, you know, early to mid-80s, um, this sort of the team at the time, you know, Gary Bailey in goal, I think the two centre halves. You look at Kevin Moran and um, uh, who else was in that side? Robson Stapleton. Um should have Steve couple at that point still? Would it be on the wing?
1: Yeah, a bit later
2: oh, no. than that. I think Steve Coble Steve a bit earlier than that. So the team yeah. I sort of watched was a bit, a bit later than that. And then Mark Hughes and um, you know, and, and then obviously Fergie uh, took over in '96, was it '97, something like that. But yeah, even even in that period from '80 to '95, 90, you know, I was a I would watch, I'd go to Old Trafford, but me and my brother would go, my, my next up brother, Chris, we'd go and um, stand on the, obviously on the the, the, um, the Stretford end there, where you yeah. could stand in 10 years, you know, you're running out, pinching yourself in a Cup Winners' Cup game against them in, in the early 90s, which was, yeah, I, I will come to that, no doubt, but yeah, um, yeah I was a big United fan, and, and obviously still am, and, and and it's still, I still pinch myself to this day now that they came over to Rexham for the <laughs> testimonial in 2001.
1: Well,
0: that, that <laughs> says, yeah, that says a lot about you. But I'm just thinking of that team now because I'd be, I guess, if Anderson would be there at that point in time, maybe would it be and Neil Mike Webb, right like back, if you remember. Arthur oh, Alston, oh, yeah, yeah. right back, Norman um, Whiteside, Emmi Moses in
2: midfield, Norman Whiteside, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the sort of era. Colin Gibson, I think, on the left.
0: Um, Mark used Prime. I think Brian McClare was a bit later, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, it was like was a young, you- young Marquise yeah. when he was playing like midfield, box to box midfield, then he went up front. and then he got his move to what Barcelona on loan to buy Munich, then back to Man United. Right, yeah. It's just yeah. uh it's, I almost feel uh, this isn't gonna be a Man United loving, but I, I almost feel with just with Brian Robson that you kind of almost wish that he was a couple of years younger so he got more of that success when it did kick in. Cause he I think nice. he got the I think it was uh, he got the first two league titles, and I think the second one he played maybe about two games or something like that. And obviously 1992-1993, he was in and out with the team because it was Paul Ince was the main man and Roy Keane had come in in that summer. And you feel like with the career that Brian Robson had and the player he was and the status he's got with Man United, you would just like to have seen him maybe, like I said, if he was maybe two or three years younger, so he could have got another two or three more years of being in that top team. Um, just, But it is what this, uh, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, um, boy. yeah, exactly. We, Bloody hell. <laughs> <Alps. laughs> <laughs> you, you chose a career in this one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with that man united game and that the lingby games as well these big european nights it's crazy to think about rex playing in europe for, for a lot of people anyway uh, we were talking before about about some fans who they've never seen league football. Uh, and we There was a time when we were playing European football, which yeah. nobody, no other clubs at our level would get, and most clubs in the Premier League don't get the chance to play European football, but because of the, the Welsh Cup as it was then, we could, if we won that, we get into the Cup in this Cup um, and work our way through. But how is that involved to be, I mean, did you realise at the time how special it was for a player in, what, the, the third division, fourth division it would be then, um, to be playing European football? Did that, Or was that just the norm? Because that's always what it's been at Wrexham up until then.
2: Yeah, but probably a bit of both. I think you probably didn't focus or didn't um, look at it as a player back then and, and think, oh my God, you're going to look back at this in, in 20, 30 years time and think, you know, wow. It, yeah, it was sort of the the, the norm as a, as a club because I'd looked at the club from the, my first visit to Wrexham was with my old school teacher, Goresh Sola, uh, Wynne-Jones, who was a scout for Wrexham. 1984, I think, I, and um, he brought me up to the ground. Met Mel Sutton, I think was was in charge at the time. I may be wrong there. I remember walking into the office, and I'm sure it was Mel Sutton, but like walked into the change room. Dixie was in there, um, Wayne Segelsky, uh probably Joey had been there, maybe uh, you know amongst others. And I just got, I got my it was the first time. I got signatures, you know. So I've come yeah. away from that as a schoolboy, and, and yeah, it's crazy going. That was 1984, probably, and then signing as a as a pro in 19 what would been, 1990, I suppose, 89, 90. Um, it, it was always strange, like you always think something was meant to be. But, um, yeah, I, I sort of fell in love with Wrexham Football Club, I think, a little bit on that day in 1984, walking out of there with my signatures under my arm, um, with a couple of programmes that the lads had signed as well, yeah. and just the first experience of a, a probably, you know, a real
0: football club. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I think that's... I don't know if, I really don't know if, if young fans do that anymore, but like back in the day with me, I'm a mate, we were, were we like, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 going. That was it. You rush and get the signatures of everybody or even like some of the away players. If like they were big name players, you'd be rushing over to get, uh, to get his name. And I think it was Neil Lennon one time at crew where it's was like, oh, yeah, they, they are amongst all the Wrexham players or um, yeah. like the, the big cup games. Like I remember like Florian and Radiciu, uh, Romanian striker playing for West Ham when they came for the snow game and it was, I, I loved him from the ninety four World Cup. So it was like, oh, yeah, you know, mate. But I, I don't know if fans still do that where you get the, the whole signatures thing, the program things. I don't know if it's maybe a, a different era now. Or you get in the middle of the program at one point there was like a, a profile on a certain player and there'd be there'd be the information, the questions on one side, the other page would be just a kind of full on face thing, and you'd always get that signed and you put it on your wall or whatever. But I, I don't know, I don't know if I'm dating myself now really badly no there was a lot at the, at the time i
2: think i, I was I, I think i fell in with sabutio at the time i was a yeah. massive studio fan league ladders you're probably a bit, bit young for league ladders but i am <laughs> league ladders was like it was just a little tab right it was uh a color so a yellow or blue or whatever and it was it was close to the team color yeah um all four divisions and all you, you, slid, you so one to 24 was was like a little slot and you put the the tab so Colchester, Colchester United would go in league for slot 18 at whatever position they were. So you could move yeah. the the leagues around based on where they were in the league on that Saturday. So you'd spend Saturday night would <laughs> be out or C F A X had come on. You'd look at the results and you'd move all your league ladders around. Brilliant. And you get you out on a Sunday, iron your pitch. Yeah, If yeah. you're lucky, get the the fence around the outside. Play, you know. So every single thing you did was was football based. You know, you'd be out for, oh my God, mate, every hour God sent. At the time, out on the pitch, your Christmas presents were all a new ball. Gloves, I remember getting gloves. Yeah. You must remember the old yellow gloves with the green pads on. Yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like a set from a catalogue, a case catalogue or something, ball and, and gloves. Um, yeah, everything you did, you lived and breathed it, didn't you? And you spent every uh, waking hour sort of thinking about football. And um, I think you've got to be like that. I mean, if you're going to go on and, and be a... Yeah, I was lucky enough to obviously be a, a professional. I think you've got to be wired that way to be, you know, obsessed with it. Um, just touching on it, you, you mentioned the European games before as well. I didn't really answer it, I suppose. As a, um, as a young player, yeah, the, the experience that you get from them, you, you just can't sort of bottle it. You know, you can't... I can't tell you what it's like to, to walk out in front of... Uh, you know, it wasn't a massive crowd at Lingby, but with, with my teammates, but mates as well. You know, you, yeah. you're going into a... A game against a team from another nation was was, was crazy. Um, and obviously then early 90s, I know we'll probably come on to United again, but I think we played them in the Cup Winners' Cup in 91,
0: if I'm right, Stato's might correct me. Um, I think it was a, I think it the 1990-91 season, but it was right at the end of 90, like December 1990. So, November, like, yeah, far off. yeah, December,
2: probably in the first round, uh, the yeah. qualifying round, the first round, or whatever it was, the Cup Winners' Cup, I think it was 33,000 there at Old Trafford. um um do you remember the rules at the time where you could the, only have th- the foreigners, wasn't it?
0: Three foreigners that room, rule, yeah. You
2: could only have sort of three three players from outside of Wales in your squads. I think we went with um Andy, th- I might be wrong, Garth played, Nigel Beaumont, um Coops played, so Graham yeah. Cooper. Can't remember who the, th- who the third one was, sorry, but yeah, it was mid-hour bench was made up of our YTS boys. I say that as a 18-19 <laughs> year old. <laughs> It was the second year bro, but we had um, uh, Jamie Williams, I think Phil Middleton and you know, a couple of others on the bench, Andy Thomas probably on the bench, Um, so yeah, that, that you know, the petrol all game then as well, play Estee away. Oh God, yeah. I pronounced that right, yeah, we lost 1-0, it was probably yeah. the warmest weather I've, I've ever played in, that had been, was that 90? 90, 90, 95 nine, I think. Yeah, later, I think
0: nine,
2: yeah, I think nine. it was
0: 95, that was like, that was our last, <laughs> our last kind of European foray because it was... Uh, I remember going to the the home game. I've still got the program somewhere. It's got I'm sure it's got Darren on the front. Darren Brace with maybe the Welsh Cup yeah. Um, and it was uh, it was one of I might be I might be remembering it wrong, but in my head it was one of the dullest games I'd ever seen yeah, no, uh, really on a Tuesday night. I think it was, and then oh. obviously nil nil and go away and lose one nil. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was really disappointing. Obviously, we didn't progress then and. But, you know, you're beating Lingby, you never, you never dream that you're going to draw United in the next yeah. round. We all, what, what happens? We stay, I think you've got to stay in the nation, haven't you, 24 hours before the game. So we, we stayed in Alteringham the night before, if I remember rightly. um, Yeah, great, great nights. Obviously, obviously we'll probably come on to the FA Cup game and that, you know, later on. But as a young boy, wow, you know, what an experience and, and pretty unique, I suppose, with within a football club, as you said before, who in, you know, maybe world football, in, in the lower divisions, is representing the nation. Yeah. You know, as many times as we did at the time winning the Welsh Cup and obviously Cardiff, Swansea as well, amongst others. Um, but yeah, we have got a unique history and, you know, obviously we're very proud of it, aren't we?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's so much history, third oldest professional club in the world. The, the fact that it is, it's crazy to think of any team along around the world being in their respective third or fourth division and playing European football for that nation, is yeah. it's it's <laughs> nuts to think about. Uh, but just to touch on like the, the programme signing and stuff, how was it for you to go from that person who went to the race course as a 13-, 14-year-old, whatever, um, saw Mel Sutton, got the signed programs from all the players, to then skip ahead a few years and you're coming out to, to warm up for a game and you get that first time of a fan going like, guys, guys, with the programme and the pen <laughs> and the marker.
2: Oh, you 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 just can't you know you can't get your head right. What do you want? You want me to sign a piece of paper for you? You just can't. <laughs> can't comprehend it really. Um, uh, it's something. If you ask all the, the lads, you know, you you then end up. Um, I, I used to love doing presentation nights at the night because yeah. presentation nights at the time. Um, purely because I, I remember Kevin Ratcliffe coming to Deeside Primary Schools for example, and it, you know, it, it Kevin Ratcliffe it was Everton at the time, it was a Welsh international, um. Uh, you know, but and I was a local boy, I suppose, from from Rexham. So you get asked Flincher Junior League that I used to play, and it was great to have. You know, you might have eight, nine, ten lined up at the end of the seasons when you're, you know, a young pro, and um, it's great to sort of give something back. But just just being around kids that wanted, you know, to be that next pro was was brilliant, and you'd always try and give them some advice. Or um, yes, yeah, so it was a bit surreal, I suppose. You ask any any pro. Um, it's very surreal having people coming up to you. Or, you know, are you going to an away game or someone's asking you to sign something? Or, yeah, it's, it's really strange. But then we had in Rush for a period, and now that. Now that is <laughs> now he
0: signed some things, I will tell you. <laughs> was, I was I was watching um before I saw it to Mark Curry for the last episode, which is available on all the usual platforms, throw that in there, mm-hmm. uh, to, to find. And it was a really good chat, with Mark, but it was a long one, it was like nearly two hours, but it's well worth it. Just a really interesting story of low league goalkeeper to football agent to technical director at Stoke in the Premier League. It's now working with the FA. But it was before speaking to him, it was I went back and watched some old videos and I just ended up in like when you fall in that almost like black hole of YouTube where it's like you go from one video to the next video and I'd, I'd yeah. gone through the 98-99 season and then you, you pick up on Ian Rush signing and just the like the hysteria around it at the time was was nuts. And I mean, God love Rushy, Um, but I was there's like an interview with him and he's talking about in, in the future, he's got plans to manage Juventus and, and Liverpool and it did, did, didn't quite work out like that for him. But it was, it, it was just insane to see him come from, it's been like Liverpool to... What, Newcastle then leads, I think it was. I think he had a brief That's stop right, at yeah. Sheffield United and then he came to drop down to, to Wrexham. Um, but, but what was that like? Because obviously there's loads to get, get through before we get to the rushy part. But what just while we're on that, what was it like to have rushy come into the... the cause it was player coach at the time. So when he was on the pitch, he was on the sidelines. And you can see he's trying to be very vocal and encouraging to the players.
2: Yeah, I am, I mean, I've been fortunate enough as an under-21 uh, player. And I'd, I think at 12... Uh, 10, maybe 10, 11 caps at the time, but been in and around the, the squads and sort of because he was a Flint lad, I yeah. was Connor Key, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd chat, I wouldn't say regularly, but you know, we got to sort of know each other. And the, the first team at the time within that squad were, were brilliant as well. Kevin Ratcliffe was very similar. And um, I'll tell you a story about Gary Speed, go rest his soul a, a bit later as well, who made you so welcome in and around the Welsh squads. But yeah, him signing the euphoria of such a name, you know. Um, Putting writing on that dotted line for Wrexham Football Club was crazy. Um There was a rumour, I think, at the time around the Welsh squads. They went and played in China at the time, I think, and he got to China and brought his passport with him, but they let him in anyway because, obviously, he was so famous. Yeah. I'm going back to 1990 then. It probably wouldn't happen nowadays, but they let him in, obviously, because he <laughs> recognised who he was from, through, through his Liverpool days. Uh, and, obviously, Wales. Um But yeah, going to away games, I'll never forget getting off a coach. The amount of people doubled, trebled, quadrupled overnight that was coming to meet us wherever the uh, away games and the coaches because they knew he was getting off the bus with us, you know, at some point. So you'd always try and Get to the back of the queue, or get off before him. If you got off before him, you know you get into the change room. If you got off after him, you, you could be half an hour just stood there leaning on a chair while he signs. <laughs>
0: Anybody him. want my autograph? No, no. All right, okay. Cheers, <laughs> Rushy. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, you just
2: sort of, uh, slide down the side. Like, yeah. uh, oh, you want me to sign? Oh no. Oh, oh, Rushy's behind me. Right? You want me you to know? ask Rushy oh, for yeah. it? No <laughs>
1: autograph. Oh
2: yeah. Oh no, Rushy. You want right? Um, yeah, it was, it was surreal and, and, yeah, it didn't work out for him as a player, but he was, he was, uh, you know, a, a metre, two seconds ahead of us all in his mind in terms of what he wanted, which is really difficult as a player. So, I think as a coach educator now, I think I, I, I admire that, that he came and he was patient. He didn't sort of get frustrated himself. He didn't get frustrated with the, the lack of quality around him in comparison to him. He got on with it, which says a lot about him, very humble, and... Um, you know, We find that out a lot of, um, you've probably seen some of the names that have come on the, the FAW courses over the years. Um, we've been very, very lucky. And the higher they've played, the more humble they are. It, there's got to be something tied into that, I, I believe, yeah. in my players play so high. And he was uh, the epitome of, of humbleness. He was, he, as I say, he, he'd sign things until it was going dark. He, you know, it he, he was a
0: nightmare because you never leave an away ground on time. Why do you think it didn't quite click as a player? Because it was, I think in total, including the Cups, it was like 24, 25 games he played, but didn't score. And obviously, Wrexham fans, this one of the all-time great strikers coming to the club, a Welsh icon, scored so many for Liverpool, uh, won whatever with Liverpool. And everybody thought like, oh my God, we've got Ian Rush coming. This is, That's it, it's going to be back in 30th season. Um, but obviously, it didn't quite work out and he, did, he didn't score. But uh, what do you think, why that didn't quite click? Was it... Maybe just, I don't know, he, he did quite have the pace he was to play on that last shoulder. He was playing sometimes on the wing or do you think it was just that disconnect with him and the players? I don't think it was the plan.
2: I'll be honest with you. I don't think Fli- Flynny was very, very bright um, uh, and he probably would have laid out to Rush, you know, this is what I want you to, to do coming into the club. And I think Rush, he was brought in probably more to bring players on, to have yep. an order around him, maybe as a player. I distinctively remember in games, opposition players, if you were going forward, you'd have the ball, you'd look up, the opposition players would, if Rushy was ahead of you, they'd get around him closely, right? Which leaves space elsewhere, obviously. So he was a, a decoy a lot of the time, which... Um, I no, I don't mean that disrespectfully. You know, what, you know when I'm... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He that, takes that focus he,
0: away, the attention's all on him, oh, and it frees up the players.
2: Yeah. That it would drag players towards him, which gives you so much space elsewhere, which is a you know massive plus for a team. Um, as a person, I think as well, he was just uh, again in that mould of, of just brought others got the best out of others. Um, you know, so I don't think it was ever in the plan to to play on the, the last shoulder of the, the last centre half and do what he did at Liverpool and do yeah. what he did successfully for, for Wales as well. And um, you know, I think it, it was more. A, I think Flinney thought a little bit deeper than that and wanted that type of person and player to bring others on and to get the best out of other players and um, yeah and and also just to to maybe raise the profile of the club as well. At the same time, you know, it was fantastic for the club to get such a coup, you know. And and I think for the whole the fans at the time, the club, everything was just lifted by his signing. You know, and sometimes it's it's it, it works out a little bit differently than you planned. Played in midfield a lot, but I learned so yeah. much off him as a midfielder. And you're talking about a player here that spent his career breaking nets, you know, and all of a sudden you're learning off him as a, you know, midfielder and add into your own game, which, um, yeah, ultimately, I think that was probably the, the bigger picture for Brian Flynn.
0: Yeah. Um, and. Speaking of you playing the midfield in the centre of the park, you started centre of the park in that famous Arsenal game, the FA Cup, which, bringing it all back, because like I said, I've said this before we started going, there's going to be so many things I want to talk to you about and I'm going to forget something because it's just, what, 12 years as a pro, all these big moments. But to to wind it back a little bit, the the Arsenal FA Cup game cannot be not talked about. Um, And you're there, what, I guess at that point you'd be, you might have turned 20 by then, Possibly, and I, I looked into it, this is an Arsenal team that had seven England internationals in it. There's David Seaman in nets, was Paul Merson playing, um, Tony Adams, uh, David O'Leary, the uh, Irish centre-half at, at the time. Um, Lee Dixon, Nigel Winterburn, Alan Smith, uh, David Rocastle, uh, what a player he was. All these star names um, against Plucky Old Wrexham, who... Technically, mm-hmm. in normal circumstances, would have been relegated the season before. Just with the rejig of the league, that worked out very well for us. Uh, yeah. How was that to be playing in to, to be starting as a twenty-year-old against these these superstars? Because obviously, you'd you'd only played the Man United game the, a, a year before that. But this was like this was the league champions Arsenal as well. This wasn't just any old Arsenal; it was a great Arsenal side.
2: Yeah, um, you're, you're probably quite naive still as a younger 19, 20 year twenty-year-old pro, which is a good thing, you know, you're going on to a pitch with the league champions, you're obviously aware of what they can do, you're aware that they're, they're lined and laced with with international players. What I will say about the lads that, that sort of the young players, particularly in the time uh, that team at the time uh, Waco um, Phil at left back obviously as well um, I can't remember whether Wayne did Wayne start that game I'm, I'm not too sure, but uh, that group of players, we, we were all quite wired in in the way that um, we didn't really care who we were playing against I don't mean that disrespectfully yeah yeah
0: no fear sort of thing
2: We had, yeah we had a really good belief in each other and I suppose that's why we were we were you know the, the 90s teams were, were um, fairly successful at the time was we had a really good no fear attitude we we believed in what we did we were not, yeah band of brothers I suppose that yeah. grew up the 90s teams as you know now we're still mates a lot of us which doesn't happen a lot of other clubs a lot of the players that that went through that sort of 90s phase, went off to other clubs, but they all seemed to hover around Wrexham still, and, and we're all still a good group of mates, you know, it, um, it, from that period. So, yeah, that, that no fear attitude is important going into that game. Um, you know, I think I had a chance after about 20, 20 minutes or so where um ball went down the left. I, I, I can't remember who crossed it, but. It was um I was about 12 yards out, but it's going to cross me, but I sort of stretched and took a touch and the ball's gone straight up in the air and everything went into slow motion. So the goal sort of is there, the cop's behind it and the ball's to my right and I'm sort of falling backwards. And I just took, hooked it too far and pulled it and it, you know, agonising went past the post, I think, a couple of inches. We could have been 1-0 up after 20 minutes. Um with with yours truly notching yeah. which I didn't do very often. Um I think it was about one in one in ten, something like that. But um yeah it, it was um it was a crazy experience. Obviously stood watching Mickey's goal at the back of the net again in slow motion. You are pinching yourself. You're thinking you spend that time then as as a uh, even play and you're thinking we're gonna go hybrid. I can't believe yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we're gonna play Arsenal away I can't oh my god this is going to be amazing going Oh, Steve, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking gone and scored the winner, man, um, and spoilt it all. And you can imagine Price yeah. Griffiths thinking, "Oh my God, Steve, you just <laughs> just got us spo- out of a
0: couple of hundred <laughs> grand,
2: yeah, hundreds <laughs> of thousands of pounds in, in gate receipts." And um, uh, but I don't think it. Obviously, nobody have had it any other way. It made world news at the time, and um, Waco became a sort of a you know an overnight icon, didn't he, worldwide, yeah. along with with Mickey, obviously, and. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was bizarre. I'll never forget sort of, me and Phil Hardy have got in after the game and, and we're like, oh my God, oh my God, we can't believe what we just done. Are we going back out again? Yeah, come on. We went, went straight back out after the final whistle. I think a lot of fans have come onto the pitch. Yeah. We got off, but we just thought, you know what, let's go out back out again. We went back out again. I got to sort of the cop and my best mate from school jumped out on me, Well, I call Lee Bellis, um, he was sort of, uh, police were sort of obviously, you know, uh, uh, keeping people off the pitch and that, but he jumped over and steward came to separate. I said, oh, he's me mate, he's me mate. You know, what a moment to spend yeah. with, your, with your best schoolmates um,
0: after just beating Arsenal, yeah. So, yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy times. I, I think, if anything, the fact that you you put it just wide was probably a good thing, because it's like, if we scored that early, then they might have... He might pull their finger out a bit more than Arsenal. <laughs> so, so you did us a favour there, guys. I think. Ah, oh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> nice uh, way to put it, Andy. <laughs> but it was what? What was that feeling like? We t- I touched on it then about like the, the season before that, where we came bottom of the fourth, fourth division. But it was only we only got saved from dropping out to the the, the conferences that would be there because of the, the whole rejig of the the football pyramid, where they yeah. wanted more teams and more divisions. And then the year after that would be the Premier League of formed as well. So, what was that feeling like of? Coming bottom of the football pyramid at that, the professional football pyramid, but not getting relegated. And like, when did you realize that, well, we might come bottom here, but we're going to be safe? I think we all got on
2: to what, what Brian was, Brian obviously, now was was thinking, and, and he blooded a lot of us in that season um, and gave as much game time to those younger players, you know, as possible and used it, yeah, uh, used it to good effect. You know, you look back and now and you, you realize how lucky we are, we were to have somebody like. Brian in charge of everything, you know, with the the building of the the changing uh, the, sorry the changing the building of the training ground um, and moving from somewhere like Lex or the old Rugby Club and having a a base in the the sort of later nineties, yeah, really bright manager Flinny. So, um, yeah, at, at the time, uh, I think, you know, we 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 were fortunate to sort of um, get through that period where you finish bottom of the league and you think. You know, wow, it, it hurt at the time. I think yeah. you know, you anyone that's that's played any kind of level, you know, you finish bottom of the league, and you think, you know, it's, it was it was really it did hurt, which I think is a good thing as well because again, we we're all we were all wired to, you know, what, I'm going to prove people wrong. Phil was wired that way. The Flynn, he knew he knew that Steve Walkin was wired that way, and he knew he had a, a group of young lads at the time. I think that would go out and burst. burst drive through brick walls for him and, and the club and at the same time have um, uh, some kind of motif for, um, you know, proving um, to Wrexham fans, to, to fans of other clubs that we aren't a bottom of the, of the league team. Yeah. Um, it hurt, yeah. So I think we went out that next season and, um, uh, yeah, we wanted to prove people wrong and, and you know, lo and behold, it, it, it you know it worked. If you look at it that way, I think it, it worked in, in terms of... Um, we had a, a good group of youth boys that came in and, as I say, band of brothers, but we also had a, a good, a real, real good set of established pros in that early 90s who were a band of brothers as well. Yeah. Um, you know, immediately Tony Humes came in, Mel Pejic, Um. That, that kind of player took the club on the, to the next level, if you like, for me. Um, um, yeah, we had some really wry signings. Jimmy Case, I'll never forget coming yeah. in, and obviously Mickey. You know, Alan Kennedy, who, who can say in, in a lower league club they've played with these types of, you know, Alan Kennedy, your Champions League winner, the old European Cup winner, Joey Jones, double European Cup winner, I think Alan is as well. Jimmy Case, you know, players that you think, you're pinching yourself almost at these players coming to the club, but, um, you know, we were obviously doing something right then, right the way from Flinney all the way down. Um, and the momentum then through that season starts to build and... We had some really good loan signings. Obviously, coming in Mike Lake was was fantastic that yep. year. It, again, it didn't work out for Mike, unfortunately, after that. But um, Ed, Eddie Yowd, I remember coming in in 1991 to keep us up. I think it might have been, 18, was it 1991, yeah, to keep yep. us up? Flinney was was bright, mate. You know, he, he looking back, some of the things he did for the club, you know, um, I look at him now as some kind of saviour, which uh, I'm sure a lot of fans do as well. But, yeah. I think that that was sort of the the thinking at the time as um yeah I think I probably explained it quite reasonably well
0: there very well because <laughs> it, it was it was almost like a I guess short term hit for long term game where we he play those youngsters in that the, the bottom of the league season give them game time with the view of yeah. well in a couple of years these lads are going to they'll have had 40 50 60 70 games under their belt they'll be and it would show obviously with the promotion in 1993 the Sealed 2-0 away Northampton. Gary Bennett with two, as Beno seemed <laughs> to have it. He got a few goals that season. Um, he,
2: oh, he didn't, yeah. Did... He, he was that sort of, yeah. He was he was the catalyst that brought it all together. The last piece of the jigsaw. So Andy Marriott obviously signing as a, you know, a yeah. fantastic keeper. And you've hit the nail on the head there, really, about so many, um, you know, games being played, I think. But by that time, you probably, you know, me, Phil, Stevie Walking, Wayne, um, uh, you know, amongst others, we probably were closing in on 100 games, between 50 to 100 games, you know, each. Um, it's a lot of experience for, for boys that had not hit 20. Um, you know, if you if you look at that now, you can't remember the last time, maybe Robbie Evans was the last one that came through uh, of our own, if you like, that got to sort of, uh, you know, 100 games-ish. But we all had it, and there was probably five, six lads in, in the team over that season that had it, and then John Cross came in. Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, another player that, that he... What a left foot John had
0: and, um, you know, could have been our first million pound player, Brian That was Newser. it, yeah. But yeah, not, funny, funny saying with John Cross, he was going to be our first million pound player. And then it yeah, didn't quite happen. You know, I think it was at York he went to in the end when he when he finally left, I think. Not 100% sure. Um, I still see him
2: now. He works for... Um, I haven't seen him for a while, sorry, but I did bump into him a lot when I was working for for the Flintshire County Council as, as yeah. like, the development officer there. He was... Um, he lived in um, around the Mould area, but, but had gone into um, paramedic. So he, he fully trained up, had a paramedic. And you know, I bumped into him quite a bit. He'd be parked up and, um, yeah, his, his lad then started working for Flinches. So, it, you know, I used to see quite a bit of job. But yeah, he was another one, you know, uh, names that sort of spring to mind. Um, but yeah, the the we were, we, were, we were very lucky. Yeah, we were very lucky to have people that put the trust in us. Um, you know, and that 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 sort of title winning squad, uh, not title winning, uh, promotion winning squad, I think then, yeah, was, was a real, real good mix of, you know, them older pros that knew what they were doing, um, would nurture us as younger players uh, and the young players were were sort of experienced by then. It, you know, it makes a good mix,
1: doesn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And it, it will be at like 1993 season, the promotion season. What was... I guess these days that the kids will call it scenes, uh, the Northampton game where Benall gets his two and it basically seals the promotion there. Um, and I believe the number it was before I started going to away games. Uh, I believe the number was like four and a half thousand Wrexham fans. I think is is the the kind of uh, genuine figure of who made the trip to Northampton, which is a feral trek. Um, yeah. What was that like? That whole just I guess the atmosphere there, seeing that many Wrexham fans away, Benall getting his two goals, realizing like that's it, we're we're going up here.
2: Yeah, again, a bit surreal, I suppose, but you you know, we've worked hard for it all season. Yep. Um there can't be something that you can't look forward to. And um, Mark Morris was in goal at the time. Mark Mark had been fantastic again through all that season. Um, you know, and another one I should mention really that that sort of set the tone for us. Um uh, on the night, I mean, Northampton sort of pummeled us a little bit. They, you know, they were a decent side at the time. Mark made some fantastic saves, kept us a clean sheet, and then we grew into the game. I think the nerves sort of started to go. Um, I watched it the other day. I remember Crossy running down the right. I think Benno picked the ball up centrally, played the ball out to, to Crossy. Crossy took their their left back on. Keeper parries it. Benall's there to, to put the um, the rebound in. The, the the lasting memory I've got then is Benno peeling off to the left hand side to the Wrexham fans the Wrexham fans sort of piled over the walls yeah. people coming onto the pitch um Benno peeling off towards their fans going like this <laughs> so he he'd sort of he'd gone like that to the Wrexham fans you know yes all the nice sort of things and then the second hand but we came just and then it's like what the referee blows his whistle and goes you know, what, what are you doing? Cat, are you like, <laughs> yeah. And Ben, I was like surprised. He's just been, <laughs> Keep going the V's up at their fans. Um, <laughs> but it's just crazy things like that stick in your mind. The final whistle went, I remember all their, their players trying to sprint off. I think I just went down. I just, I think I put my head in my hands and just thought, wow, we've done it. You know, we've, we've got promotion and and the next thing then you get in, there's a sea of fans sort of, you know, and you get knocked around and you didn't mind any of it though, like, yeah. uh, players are on people's shoulders, Mark Morris you champagne over his head, Steve Hawking, I remember being on someone's shoulders, Carl, and then bits of kit go missing, so Ben was walking off in, in like his, just his slip and one sock. <laughs> uh, built, yeah, his bills and one sock, and his boots had gone, and his whole kit had gone. Um, yeah, and then you just get in the change rooms, pandemonium, isn't it? You know, them, them type of things, as you can imagine. And the, uh, the trip back was alright as well, so you're quite happy you've got to get two and a half hours on a bus then because you just you know you're promoted and um i think we're straight
0: into bob scott's name when we got back oh right okay <laughs> so i'm gonna guess you probably picked up a few a few crates of beer for the journey back and then
2: yeah about yeah, you know getting back for whatever time it was like 11 10 o'clock at night and yeah brilliant great great days and I don't think obviously you paid for a drink that that night. You know, Wrexham fans were then starting to pile into these places and that were there on the day, and the streets were packed. And um, yeah, wow, you know what? What an experience to go through, and very humbled to to be able to to reflect on it.
0: Yeah, I think even now, like most of that team, if they if they're ever seen out in Wrexham on a night out, they still don't have to pay for a, a drink. I remember being in the <laughs> um, oh, I think where it was, um, not the horse and jockey. Um, other oh, Welsh Fugileers, uh, a couple of Christmas ago, and Stevie yeah. was in there and it was just like drinking for free. It was just anyone that saw him, was like, Steve, do you want a beer? And then talk about what, what obviously, Arsenal, or whatever or the promotion or anything. It was just like, right, pints lined up, sort of thing. Um, it, I did the work.
2: same if I saw Stevie walking out, I'd do the same. I bumped into him in Cardiff one night after Welsh game and bought him a pint. <laughs> yeah
0: they get one back though no no tight like that is he uh, oh, to me. <laughs> oh right okay that, that explains it then uh but well, like that period the whole time you were at Wrexham, there was like so many great centre midfielders and obviously there's only two sometimes three spots because we had that spell under flinney where we were playing kind of three centre mids and just one winger yeah. uh for a bit but uh, what's that like the the kind of competitive side of it i mean is it just like that friendly competition when there's like yourself and there's, say, there's, there's Wayne or Brian Hughes comes through or Rooster comes back. Or you've got Jimmy Case before that. Peter Ward comes in, Dave Brammer, um, Mike Lake, Mark Wilson on loan from United, Darren Ferguson. I mean, does that just kind of get force you to raise your game then?
2: Yeah. Um, and again, I think Flynnie knew how we were wired there that... Um, I was very much um, right, I'll 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 show you. I'll show you what yeah. I can do. And and I think we were all like that. And that what that does then is you just have eight or nine players over two or three years, you just throw them the shirts. You throw the three yeah. shirts and go, right, go and scrap it out. Yeah. Um and then in a way I mean scrap it out is show me what you can do in the reserve, show me what you can do in training. If you're not in the team, if you're in the team, show me what you can do on a match day. And I just think it's healthy for competition, obviously, within within um within the squad. Um but yeah, when you are up against sort of one year, I think Jimmy Case, Mickey Thomas, and Ian Rush the following year, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, then them days all you can look back on and pinch yourself that you've that, that you've played with those types of players. But um it was it's always healthy, healthy for for a squad, healthy for a team. Um you know, fortunately, I think the whole time I was there throughout Wrexham, throughout we had some really good players coming to central midfield and yeah. um, that I believe got the best out of me probably as well um, as, a, as a player. You like to think that you get the best out of them by what, by what you do. I, I think the unselfish side of the game is underestimated. You know, you're making runs for other people and they would make runs for you. And um, there was a very good uh, team ethic, you know, team ethos at the time. We always used to put the team first. Which I think is, um, is, you know, it's really important. That's that's probably me as a coach now, and if I ever go and manage again, I think that's you always put the team first. I think that um, goes without saying. Unless you threw on goal, uh, it's the ninetieth minute, <laughs> and you have got the keeper to beat. That's the only time you would put the team first.
0: And then it's you time. That's it. That's your moment it, to
2: shine. And Beno, ultimately, Benno, that was his job, and that's what he did yeah. for, for us. And you know. Um, you'd you, you do an extra 2k a game if, if you knew Benno was going to score you know that's that's how we looked at it behind him and um he looked at it that i suppose you know those boys are going to work hard they're going to get on the ball and they've got a little bit of quality to put to put him in all of that linking together i think you know made for a, a good
0: side yeah um, and of Benno and um, Benno obviously got a lot of pens won a lot of pens <laughs> um some questionably should we say uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that
2: man could, yeah, yeah, he, he loved going down the box, didn't he? But he was the uh, he was an expert at it, I he? Mm. an expert at it. And um, I just <laughs> it got to the point like, where you'd put him in and he lined defenders up, and you knew what he was going to do. And you end up looking at your teammates going, You know, what he's going to fucking do it, you know, what he's going to do it. And lo and behold, he goes down, defenders sort of going, You know, well, why haven't touched him? I haven't touched him. Ref's going, pen... And then all you can see is Ben so walking to get the ball. You know he's going to take it, and you know he's going to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I don't remember one one penalty that sticks in my mind where he missed. Yeah, everything that hit the back of the net with him. Which um, I was just a you know pleasure to play with, but more importantly, again, a fantastic human being and a brilliant bloke to have. That was, as I say, last piece of the jigsaw that lifted us all and you know took us uh, ultimately uh, took us all to promotion.
0: Yeah, and one of the, the pens he did score were coming in the, the FA Cup game against Ipswich. Um uh, Kieran Durkin kids would score that beast of a volley just yeah. on uh, the, the near post. Just one of those, when, when you hit it, you thinking, that's a bit of an angle on it. And But uh, what a game. That was kind of like the the next, I guess the next step of like the glory days after that was that, that FA Cup run with that. And then the Man United game away, where again, Kieran Durkin puts 1-0 up after like 10, 15 minutes. Meg Jim, Peter Schmeichel uh, at Old Trafford to just... Stunned the whole crowd, but but that mm-hmm. I guess it kind of that would wake my United up and but it was still it was a hell of a game of 5 2 and Johnny Cross gets his goal towards the end, which I'm not sure it took a slight deflection or not, but it, it looked good on the telly anyway. Um, yeah. it still looks good to this day. But w- what was it like to be involved in in those FA Cup games? Having obviously you've been involved in in the Arsenal game uh, a couple of years prior, then the West Ham game after that, the, well, the West Ham game in the replay. Um, in fact, I believe you even set up Lee Jones in that. That was it in the West Ham game, you got the assist there,
2: yeah. Um Oh, we were, yeah, we were 2 on down, obviously, from um, going into the last 10 minutes of the game. I think we had a, a bit of pressure in our own final third inside our own 18-yard box. Andy Thack was over that way, Mark Satori, who I haven't mentioned yet, what you know what a yeah. man Carlo was, and Andy, both, again, great men. Um, and we ended up winning the ball, came out to me. I turned, so I'm, I'm sort of cornering the 18-yard box now in our own half, um, and took a couple of touches. And me and Lee had this sort of telepathic, you Know he, he knew I I had a sort of a, you know a long strike in me or a long pass, whatever you want to call it, a ping. Um, and I knew he could, I knew he'd, he'd out sprint anyone he was up against at the time, he'd whip it at the time. Um, and I remember Steve sort of come short and, and I could see Lee going, you know, they they had that, they had that sort of movement between them, and, and you know, they had a really good, great mix up front. So, um, I, I've sort of you know, I've, I've seen Lee make a run. I've seen Tim Breaker sort of, you know, on, on his on his heels. Yeah. I think, you, you know, there's a, there is a percentage of it's going to go through to McClosco or not. It's going to go through and out of play. Or it's going to go short, at least into Steve Watkins. But it came off me foot like a, you know, like a one-iron. And um, it covered a lot of ground quickly, should we say. And before I knew it, Lee's in on goal. And you sort of think as a player, I remember thinking, again, slow motion. You're sort of rubbing your eyes and going, is he in or not? I can't quite make out. And next thing, the the crowd are going up and, oh my God, we've equalised. We're taking them back to the race course. And um, we peeled away to the right, if I remember rightly, and all the Wrexham fans were sort of at the top in that main stand and behind the Mm -hmm. goal. Um, Rushy had obviously, uh, Wayne Phillips now obviously had scored the the equaliser, I think, to make it one each in the first half, that end. uh, Second half, sorry, that end. Um, yeah, so again, you just you you're pinching yourself, you know, you can't let, you can't believe you're sort of in a position where you're two-two against a Premier League side, and it's just like holding on. Now you got to hold on, and thankfully we had players like Mark behind us. Um, I think Mel Pedic might have played centre back, Tony might have played centre back. I, I can't remember, but Fa- Andy Thacker, lot you knew that they were going to hang on for you in the last sort of for ten minutes of the game. <coughs> yeah, so. Um, I think we brought him back to, to the race course then and that was the Tim Breaker incident, wasn't it, with Carl yeah. and um, centre-back scored for them. I can't remember from a corner. I um, can't remember his name. is was one nil, wasn't it, at home, the replay, unfortunately for us, but that sticks in my mind. Tim Breaker bringing Carl down, you know, what yeah. would have been um, so different, I think, if Breaker had gone off. The ref had done his job on the night and, you know, who knows where that would have taken us us to then, but that that's the fullest I've ever seen the cop. That night, that West Ham at home, I can't remember what the crowd was. Maybe fourteen plus. But um, as a player, just look at that—it was just heads. It must have been maybe eight thousand in the copyright for fourteen attendance. Um, But yeah, because obviously at the time we had the like you mentioned before—the only the three sides of the ground, didn't we? There was a the one side of the ground was closed. So yeah, it was a a real packed night. But a disappointing one for us, I think. Walking off the pitch, where you, you know we feel we could have had more out of it, and. Um, yeah, the FA Cup run was was over for another year, but I think it came good again it was the year after with Ipswich. 94-95,
0: uh, so what would it be? Like, two or three years after that anyway, but yeah, 94-95 was the, the Ipswich, the 2-1 at the race course, then off to Old Trafford, which would be the 5-2. What um, But it's what, what is it? with Because, I mean, we go on in 96-97 to have that great run, run to the quarterfinals. We uh, go and beat Middlesbrough a couple of years after that. What is it with Wrexham in the FA Cup? Do you think it just seemed like we had that spell where it was, especially in the 90s, where it was just like, I don't know, it just whenever it was that supposed underdog thing where, okay, we're the lower league team against the big team, we're going to get steamrolled, that's how it goes. We that wouldn't be that wouldn't happen. Um,
2: no, I think we had the three staff we had, like Joe, I'm talking Joey, Flinney, and Kev now, were yeah. such a good mix. So Joey was you never say die, you had that in you as a player. Flynney was your, your technical sort of midfielder that would give you bits of information which would get you out of certain situations and you'd work the opposition out. And Kev was a, a really bright forward who would be able to sort of think how to open teams up. So, you know, between the three of them, they were really good staff and gave, gave us really good information, um, you know, and going up and facing that team. And I think Joey was probably the biggest influence because of that backs up against the wall before you even went into the game. You know, it, you, you're all obviously the underdog, but you know what he was like. He, you know, he'd roll your sleeves up. Um, he'd come and, and <laughs> before a game, like he'd always sit you down and, and he'd come either behind you or in front of you. rub your shoulders, right? Start like this and he'd go, <laughs> guys, I had a dream last night. Maybe <laughs> rubbing your shoulders. I had a dream scoring the first half <laughs> so he'd always sort of build you up in, in that way you know come and rub your shoulders or something and then two minutes later he would seem doing the same to someone else someone else um, he's just trying to that was his own way and uh, I think in that in that manner where he'd make it sort of personal to you and you've got this European cup when giving you his own time yeah you know, as I say you just go and run through brick walls for people and especially being local as well I think and understanding the club and understanding the town being a you know a working man town and a um you know what what the Wrexham fan is out there that, that will work 9 to 5 they come and pay the money on Saturday you know why wouldn't you give anything but 100% so um yeah that's probably why we got a lot of success i think through the through the 90s is that the way that we were wired as as players and people and the staff we had around us
0: yeah, I've, I've heard the stories with Joey as well, but in the tunnel of, don't look at him, don't look at him, don't look at him, don't look at him. But that was the be night It'll be all night telling your stories of, of Joey,
2: yeah. But um, you know, what a bloke, what a what a man to have around the club. But again, you know, um landed in a lad that, that did well, and he's probably exactly the same at Liverpool winning the European Cup and coming off the pitch as he was at, at Wrexham going to Lincoln away and, and driving the bus and, and taking all the you know the YTs up there and um I can't sort of stress enough and, and you'll probably hear it off everyone uh, uh, of what an influence he was on us as as players and people. Yeah.
0: I mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of Wrexham legends, yourself included. There's a lot of players synonymous with the club, with the ground, with the, the town but I mean when it comes to Mr Wrexham, Joey Jones is the one with that name. That's 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 Joey. Yeah it's Mr Wrexham. Yeah. Yeah, I almost
2: get offended when I hear somebody calling anybody else Mr XMFC. Also, <laughs> even, you know, in my eyes, it's Mickey and Joey are legends. Yeah. Dixie's a legend. Flynney's a legend in my eyes. Kev Reeves are legends. I look at us as players who, you know, we were very lucky to represent, uh, you know, the club throughout as, as long as we did. Um, and, and you ask any of the, the Steve Watkins, the world, Neil Roberts, Phil, Phil Hardy, the same. Um you know, they, they're legends. You know, we, we're players. We were lucky to have lived it, you know, lived every fan's dream. I suppose that's how I look at playing for Wrexham, is that, you You know, I'm a Wrexham fan even now. And, you know, what would I give now to be able to run
0: out on the pitch and represent the, the, the club is, you know, it goes without saying, doesn't it? I think I think that's that sort of mentality is why the, the fans appreciated the, yourself and those players you, you listed so much. And also why you had the success you did, because, You saw it as, I guess, a a privilege in a way to be playing for Wrexham, and and you, yeah, yeah, you treated it as that. I've got this chance. This is amazing. I'm not going to
2: job. You can't. I couldn't look back at that and think it was a job. Yes, you. You obviously paid as a a professional footballer, and but it it was more than more than going out and being a, a pro because it was it was Wrexham Football Club that you were you were doing it for. And a lot of people say, you know, why didn't you go on to play at a higher level and and I just, I, yeah, I probably could have been a little bit more consistent if I look back at myself as a player. And um, I, I wanted to do it at Wrexham. I wanted to play in the Premier League Wrexham. I wanted to play high with Wrexham. Um, unfortunately, you know, we were so close that one season at, at Southend. I, you, you're talking to, um, um, was it Neil or macker about it in the recent podcast there, the game at Southend away. Um, where well, I think we lost out on the goal difference. And now you mentioned that yep, yep. was so many, team, four teams had finished on the same points and we missed out on goal difference. You know, who knows if we'd gone up
0: that year, uh, was it 96? Uh, 96, 97, that one. There was the, uh, no, 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 97, 98. It was 96, 97 was we missed out on the playoffs by, I think it was four points. And then 97, 98 was uh, the year when, uh, well, it was, it was goal difference we missed out on the playoffs. And south it was end, the yeah, South well, End where there was the wait at the end to see what had gone on and, so, awesome. Yeah, I remember standing, it was Mark. It was uh, Mark Wilson's chat with Mark Griffiths. Was it? I think. Yeah, yeah. The the, the game uh, the weekend
2: podcast. Sorry, yeah. It was at half-time the weekend, but Mark Wilson played in that game. Um, you know what a great midfielder as well, and great to, to listen to him. And like you said, we we sort of got together on Zoom a couple of times recently through through work. Yeah. Um. But yeah, who knows if we'd gone up that year? You know, it had been sort of League One football for us as it was back then, and. Who knows where that led I, I think we really had the dement, momentum then we built the training ground i think yeah. the year after and who knows where we'd be as a, as a club now if um if we'd
0: have gone up that year but um football a hey, bloody hell mate I know. <laughs> nice nice sir alex reference in there <laughs> um which i guess dovetails nicely into We kind of skirted over it but the the five two uh, fa cup game man united at old trafford um i mean obviously you there was the, the, the Cup of this Cup game in 1990 or whenever it was. Um, but for you to go back then as very much the the senior pro, the uh, regular in, the, in that side, to then go back to Old Trafford, um, how was that walking out? And I mean, especially, I guess, when, when Kizer put us 1-0 up as well. Um Yeah, I was a lot more aware by then. I think it was in my mid-20s by then, maybe 24, yeah. Tw- yeah,
2: 24, 25 maybe. But um, a lot more aware, a lot more aware <laughs> You Know, got uh, trying to enjoy the lead into the game, all the stuff on, on you know that, that you can watch on TV, um, still with your mind very, very focused on the job in hand, obviously. And, um, this is the biggest challenge now, obviously, isn't it? You're going to um, United at Old Trafford with the team that they had, I think, um, yeah. you know, they'd won a few titles by then, if I remember rightly. That that sort of oh no, that was the first year taking over, wasn't it? 96. It was earlier than that, wasn't it? It was ninety was it nineteen
0: ninety three they won the first one, then they won ninety three, ninety four. Yeah. Then it was Blackburn.
2: It was uh so. wasn't it? Obviously, yeah. Then yeah. early nineties, yeah. They won their first titles with McLaren and um, and the fledglings coming through, obviously, wasn't it? Yeah. It was you know that that sort of side we played in. But well, I
0: think 90s. it was Phil Neville's debut, was that FA Cup game?
2: That's right, yeah. So it, it, it was you know, that era so gigs i think had would, would been established by their skulls the older of the the fledglings were sort of established and you know got games under their belts um but yeah from our, our perspective i think you know we still believed in ourselves um you you know most teams will go there and think let's just keep score down but we, we really felt that we could you know give them a, a real good competitive game um remember working on it in the week flynny again was bright enough to sort of look at um, you know, obviously their strengths they had, they had the strengths out left, right and centre, but their main strengths, we worked on sort of nullifying that and then, you know, counter-attacking. And um, we had some decent pace in the side as well on, on either side. And Kisra, if I remember rightly started on, I might have started on the left, but being yeah. right-footed. or, yeah. or they were, He was happy at the time for them to do both. I think Crossy, the same, was very left-footed. But sort of would would be happy on the right. So if we had a corner or whatever, they'd stay where they were. And then over the period the next three or four minutes, then they'd go back. You know, so there was times when they'd they'd be playing as what, inverted wingers or you know a righty on the left and a lefty on the right. But um, yeah, I, I vividly remember now um, receiving the ball mid sort of um their half sort of level with the post. Ince comes out. I sort of dodged to my right, went to my left and I'm on the outside of my right foot now, and there's a gap opened up. And I think it, it was Dennis Irwin had glanced at Kizza. and just as he glanced there and made a step to his right, Kizza made a behind him. And I sort of slid outside of my foot, slid the ball in. It wasn't a difficult sort of pass to play, but Kizza's in. Um, I remember I remember looking and glancing at Waco, sort of making a run at the far post. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to score it. a <laughs> <laughs> real chance to score um, and go 1-0 up. No, it's not going to happen. Oh my God, we we've scored, you know. And I remember the old, the, the obviously the strep for them behind it as it was, back then just you know silenced. Yeah. Um, we peeled off. We'd agreed, and I'm going to take credit for this. <laughs> We'd agreed right before the game to do like a Wainsworth type celebration. Yeah, they might not be worthy. Been, yeah, it <laughs> might have been one or two of us, but um. So so we've said like if we score, you've got to peel off whatever it is into the corner of the pitch and just stand there, We're, the rest of the group will come and Wayne's World, we called it at the time, so, um Kiz has put it through Schmeichel's legs, hasn't he, you're thinking, oh my God, what what is going on, what is, you know, you're almost pinching yourself, running over to the corner of the pitch, and looking at the Stretford end, it's dead, I peeled back and looked at the, the hour end, and it's pandemonium, there's there's plastic glasses going up in the air, flags, scarves, uh, Kiz gets into the corner and just, you know, milking it up. God rest his soul, it was, you know, what a legacy the man left. Um, and I think five or six, maybe more of us have got down at his feet and we're giving him a Wayne's World. So, you, you, I remember looking at the scoreboard, you know, you won 1-0 up. Um, and then it's a case that they got into the game. And um, <coughs> I think Irwin scored the first. Yeah, remember, right? yeah, he got the equaliser, Dennis. Corner. We held on, there was a few good saves. I think Andy Andy was with us by then. Uh, Andy Marriott and goal yeah. made a few good saves. And the pressure was mounting before half-time. Um, yeah, and I think I could have closed him down better if I'm honest. I look at the footage and think that's Dennis Irwin, you can't give him that amount of time. Um, the ball sort of bounced out to him, and and before I've had a chance to sort of go and press him, he's just volleyed it into the far corner. And yeah, you know, I maybe we could have done a little bit more about it, maybe not. But um, even at what you know, one each is it one each going in half time or two? I honestly can't remember. Uh, Apologies, the memory's not what it used to be. Um, but yeah, they, they, obviously they took a, a good stronghold in in the side then, and um, I think the gig, Gigs, at least Sharp, it was, it was, if I remember rightly, at left back, was obviously golden boy at, at the time as well as Gigs. Yeah. They brought Gigs on. I'm sure Skulls came on, and um, yeah, they just had players left, right, and centre. If I remember rightly, it was um, oh, what was his name, Danny? Danny?
0: Oh, it's gone. Danny? Yeah. What were you thinking? What what position in the pitch are you thinking?
2: Like winger for United? You used to play for Southampton. Three brothers as well.
0: Oh, uh, Danny Wallace. Danny Wallace, yes. Yeah.
2: Um, he, he threw the all down. What are you on? Um, I I, did, I caught him for a free kick near the it was near the near side. You know, I remember watching it on match the day or whatever. I caught him in a free kick and the footage shows him sort of going like that. And I said, "I don't know what he's saying at that point? He asked me how much I was on, you know, I'm earning thousands yeah, and thousands. Yeah. What do you want? How much are you? A couple hundred quid a week? Uh, slaughtered me in that moment. Yeah. But um, yeah, Danny Wallace was on the right foot for a member on the day. And, um, you know, amongst others, they were a fantastic side and we were very proud to come out of there, even, you know, even scoring, never mind scoring two. Uh, one of f- four teams, I think, that year that went there and scored two, if I'm right.
0: Yeah.
2: I've heard so far, or I've heard uh, since, should I say. Um, but yeah, you, you try and so you finish the game then, and you try and go up into the bar, and you know the, these players are walking in and, and they're mixing with you. They're, they're just asking how you are, and they're sort of asking about your, you know, your families and that, where you're from, and a sort of uh, new gigs from the Welsh squads again. Yeah. So, you know, he said hello and how's things and caught up, and um yeah, it's yeah, it was unbelievable. Again, unbelievable experience and fortunate to experience it with the players I went through it with. Yeah, that's the way I look at it with.
0: Yeah, and if, if anybody that went to, we did a, an evening with a host at the Fat Ball, it feels like forever ago, it was just before the pandemic, hit, and it was myself sitting down with Gary, with, yeah, with Gary Bennett and Carl Connolly. And for anybody there, Beno told a great story about the night before that, which uh, cannot be repeated on this. If you were there, you'll know the story uh, involving... A certain centre half of ours, uh, which I'll tell you when we get finished after this, guys, about that one. Uh, but you, you mentioned Wales there, and and uh, and Giggsy, and you you got like I said you got uh, what eight, nine, ten, eleven uh, under twenty one caps. Uh, yeah. It was a B cap, and you got, if I remember rightly, there was a call up to the senior squad because this was a a time again. It feels like another another lifetime ago that. Rex and we're getting players in and around the, the, the Welsh senior squad, but we get yeah. either in the squad or on standby or the B team, there'd be yourself, there'd be Steve Watkin, there'd be Wayne, Andy Marriott got a couple of caps, Darren Brace. Yeah. Neil Roberts would go on to get some caps Andy, as well. Andy Marriott, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how was that like when you got the, the call-up to was, was it would it be Bobby Gold in charge when you uh, got yeah. your, your call-up? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Terry Garland actually was was first um through the 2021s, 20, 20 he was always sort of in charge with the 21s games um, and then he went and Bobby Gould took over. So my first few caps were, were sort of not under Terry, obviously. and Mike, Mike Smith was was in charge. Yeah, and Jimmy yeah. Shepard was in charge at the time as well of the 21s. But, the, um, yeah, latterly then, Bobby Gould took over and, and and one of his ideas was to go around and play um, friendlies against the, what were the, you know, the, the conical League teams, I suppose, at the time. It was the Welsh Prem mm-hmm. teams. Yeah. So we played a friendly at, at Real. We met at the post house. Um, post last round, I stayed in the International in Chester, you know, it was obviously the hotel's were unbelievable and um, we made our way over to Rill, so you're in like a big squad now with 30, 30 plus players, um, or 30-ish players should I say, so his idea was to play the first team first half and then you know the reserves sort of second half, so I came on second half, at half time it was a complete like change of 11 players so we went out second half and I think sort of the the players at the time, if I remember rightly, like, um I'm trying to think now who would have come on second half. Steve Jenkins from Swansea, I think. Mm. Um, uh, Tony Roberts, who's obviously the boss keeper coach now. Tony Roberts would have come on potentially second half. Um, Nathan Blakes, Lee Jones. Um, I think one or two of the first teams stayed on for, for, for a bit and then two other subs came on after that. But... Cut long story short, I think yeah that it was it was real. I was talking to a colleague about it. Alan Bickerstaff, I worked with, played for Real that night. Um, Tony Lee, who was at, at Wrexham as well, Togger, was playing for Real that night as well. Um, so yeah, his idea was to sort of go around um, and, and play those friendlies. Bobby Gould, that actually made a bit of a, should we say, a mockery of it. But he came on himself. He must have been,
1: <laughs>
2: must oh have been god, fifties. But he came on the last ten minutes, and you thinking, <laughs> wow, you know, he's just. But I went over, I cl- went to close someone down in midfield, I went over the top of them and I, I landed on sort of, you know, when you see a keeper come out and catch the ball and they land on their hands and their face, yes. and you go, oh my God, the body comes over, that happened to me and I, I played the rest of the game, I came off, I was in a brace straight after the game uh, due to go into the, I think it was Holland, um, the, due to go with the squad to, to face Holland in a World Cup qualifier. Which was unbelievable, you know, one, unbelievable news sort of at the time, and I had to pull out because I was obviously in the neck brace for the following three weeks, four weeks. I really did some damage to my neck at the time. Excuse me, but um, yeah, that was probably the closest I got to you know a full cap or a full call up was playing in that you know that friendly and um, and then being in a, in an you know in and around the first team, just flying to countries and we'd sort of play on the night before, you know, whether it be a um, a Tuesday night and they play on the Wednesday night, whatever. You're just in the same hotel, you're, you're mixing with them, you you pass them in corridors. A lot of the times we train together as well, the 21s and the first team, just so we could emulate what you know Poland or Romania were going to do as a 21s team, just walkthroughs, you know, that type of yeah. thing. Um yeah, great days. The story I had around Galley Speed, um, obviously being a D-side lad, um, was captain of the Twenty Ones at the time, so my my first call up with the Twenty Ones. I remember Cliff coming. Um, it was at dinner time, I think. We, we got a call that someone had pulled out, and um, we're going to send you over, We join the, the Twenty One tonight. This was my first time. Um, Cliff drove me over from from the race course straight away. Arrived sort of dinner time at Mullington Bannister, out uh, just on the outskirts of Chester. We were due to play England at Prenton Park. Uh, this would have been nineteen eighty nine, maybe ninety. <clears throat> but um, I got to the mornings and banister. I'm shaking, I, I all I can I'm just I'm nervous. I'm just a lad from Connors Key, I'm you know, really, really um, worried about going into a squad. Um Gally, Gally Speed met me at the door. Um had been a captain for D Side Primary Schools, and and you know, we were he was Queen's Ferry, I was Connors Key. But he met me at the door, um, took me in. Don't worry about anything, I'll show you to your room. Um, I'll get you to meet the lads when we have a team meeting something around all the boys all the boys made me feel really welcome straight away and you were just you know you felt welcome within seconds of being in his company Uh, he didn't have to do it you know one of them sort of moments as a a captain you think you know what if I get a chance to to sort of run through brick walls for you I I will and that's um, I think you've really got to be um, in life I think when you meet people like that there's no other way to, to sort of Um, behave on a pitch for them you know you'd do anything for them and Flynny Joey Kev were all like that Gally Speed was another one just you know when people lead by example and you just want to do your best for them so um, yeah you know God rest his soul I'll never forget that and um, great to meet him later on in life when his boy came through and played for our regional squads at sort of 2009-10 I think Um, Ed came into our squads I was coaching in our regional boys then and um, Good to see him sort of, you know, obviously um, bringing Ed in and good to catch up on that. And then lo and behold, you know, what happened, happened. And, um, you know, Osh, who was technical director at the time of the, the Trust, was sort of took over with, with um, eventually with Chris. Obviously, Raymond, for him, was involved at the time as well. But, um, <coughs> yeah, a real um, difficult per- per- period for Welsh football, obviously, but yeah. culminated in the Euros, which we... Um, you know, I suppose uh, which we all remember fondly as well.
0: Yeah, uh, a hell of a tournament. So many, uh, so many great memories from from the Euros, um, from the just. Yeah, one, I think that one of the happiest I've ever been in my life was at Sandbox header It was just because it's like there's a not only you're happy because it, it's a third, but there's like like realization of there's there's no time to cock this up, sort of thing. It's in, it, yeah. It was. Oh, it was not, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, and then well, it, it breaks them. Yeah, uh, we had the um the the Stereophonics played the race course the day after, and it was, I was just there. yeah was it, w- it was it was just oh. a great weekend yeah all my mates had some some of my mates had stayed at mine the night before and we barely slept after the game and then it was just wake up on the beers again uh the, the Stereophonics the sun was out there was Wales <laughs> shirts everywhere the band ca- I goosebumps here the band came I out
2: you got mine standing up now yeah
0: yeah, yeah. oh your neck standing up. What, what a weekend. I had, to, I had to think Chris Gunter wasn't supposed to cross that ball. That was... Uh... Oh, you can cross that ball, Christopher. <laughs> was that good? Yeah. And there we are. The first part of this two-part chat with Gareth Owen is in the books, and what a great chat it's been. Um, and there's still so much more to come next week in the second part of this interview uh, with Gaz. Um, but, I mean, for those of us that saw a Gareth Owen play, what a player he was for, for so long, for, for 12 years as, as, as a pro for Rexham, but involved in so many pivotal key moments. Those big memories, those great memories. Gareth Owen was there front and centre. But, I mean, first and foremost, just what a nice fella, What a lovely fellow. What a genuine, sincere bloke. Um, and he is a fan, he is that fan. It's I I said it in the introduction, and it's it's cheesy a little bit, but it's infectious to see how, how much Gareth Owen cares. And that's as fans, that's what you want to see when you when you're watching, you can have the best player in the world on a pitch, but if they don't give a toss, it's a you just want somebody that puts a shift in, regardless of whether they're having a good day or a bad day. You want someone that cares and gives a toss. And Gareth Owen, God bless him, wearing his heart on his sleeve. Um yeah, what a man, what a player. And, and just part two is even better. And his sleeve does come into question because there's a question about getting the rexham tattoo. But that's getting ahead of myself here. But yeah, part two, there's still plenty more to talk about. There's uh, Gaz's final days at Wrexham. There's his testimonial against Manchester United. There's his move to Doncaster, his move then to the Welsh leagues and into the, the coaching side of things and where he works now as, uh, I guess, a I guess technical advisor. Technical, I, I don't know the exact title of it, but it's a really cool role that he's got overseeing so much good stuff going on in Welsh football um and we'll, we'll talk about all of that in part two and also he picks his rexham 11 and given the amount of time he was at rexham and the the amount of quality players he was in the round it's uh, an interesting 11 and um, what was for me most fascinating about gaz's rexham 11 is seeing his his mind go to work with the tactical side of things with the, the technical side of things of looking at well, he can go there and doing this. And he almost like you're playing football manager. I realise that most of you listen to this on the podcast. I'm doing things with my hands. So yeah, (laughs) that's irrelevant. But yeah, uh, part two coming up next week. Before we go though, now I'm going to leave you with a song that Gaz wrote called "Roll back the years, which Jesus Christ. It brings um, a smile to the face. It brings goosebumps to the arms, the neck, whatever. In my case, the mullet, because I'm desperate for a haircut after lockdown. Um, but yeah, just a song about the highs and the lows um, of, um, of Rexham over the years. And I mean, hopefully, it feels like we're on the cusp of a high, of a genuine high, and hopefully that is the case. Uh, but this song and the video that, that Gaz has put together for this, oh, uh, yeah, just so many great memories uh, and some bad memories again. But, I don't know, just seeing people like Jacko in there and Scarfy, uh, Jacko, who, my first game ever in the cop well, for all of us, for anybody who was a uh, similar age to me or or a couple of years even older than me, that first time you go in the cop and you hear this bellowing, belting voice and you're like, who's this guy? And you look around and, you come to know it's this, this fellow called Jacko, um, and yeah, just to see him including this video and Scarfy and and so many legends of Wrexham on the pitch and off the pitch. It's it's a great touch from Cass. It's a really great song, and it it does it it stirs the emotions. Um, so I'll leave you with that, and we'll be back next week for part two of this chat. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Like, subscribe, chat, uh, retweet, comment, all that stuff. But here's uh, here's Robot the Years.
1: Roll back.